In this edition of Cougar Insider Podcast, we're going to break down this big Utah State-BYU game. There's a lot on the line. This is huge. The Aggies are coming in. They're angry. They're upset. They're disrespected. We're going to talk to you about uh, the Washington-BYU uh, game and, and break that down and why BYU lost that game. Were they prepared? Did they come in uh, confident? Or were they just second-guessing themselves the whole night? We'll pick that apart. We'll also tell you about a feature that we're doing in the Deseret News about Nick Emery and the challenges that he has in coming back to his BYU basketball career. That and more coming up on the Cougar Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Cougar Insiders Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon, a columnist for the Deseret News, along with beat writers Jeff Call and Brandon Gurney. We're coming to you from Thanksgiving Point, and we're talking BYU sports. A big loss for BYU in Seattle. Uh, a, te- a, a game that really had a lot on the line, but I think the moment was probably too big for BYU. The way they played, they played tight. They made mistakes. We saw one of the best drives that BYU has had of 93 yards. It had five penalties in it. This is a team that only had been uh, averaging about seven penalties a game. We saw a fumble right before halftime in a 14 to nothing game that completely turned this whole game around. We saw a defense make some mistakes, very, very conservative play, not enough pressure on uh, Jake Browning. We saw a Washington team that you've got to give all the credit in the world for. They are a top 10 team. they got a great defense. Uh, they have speed that BYU hadn't seen out of the running back position. Gaskin's a 4-4 sprinter. It was too much, too big of a moment for BYU, Jeff. Yeah, and I think uh, in that first half you saw some glimpses that, hey, maybe BYU can compete with these guys. But those two drives you mentioned, the one where they uh, picked up 93 yards and just kept getting penalty after penalty, that was very deflating, came away with no points. And then uh, the fumble at the end of the half, you kind of got the sense that when Washington went up 21-0 that this thing's over. I mean, BYU's not equipped to make, you know, come back from that big of a deficit, especially against a team like Washington. And that was disappointing for BYU, too. And then the second half, just kind of you kind of knew where it was going, and they were very fortunate to even get on the scoreboard. They could have got shut, gotten shut out. A lot of the mistakes they made, I think, were mental. I think that they were trying too hard. You had uh, Matt Hadley come in and play a linebacker. He hadn't done that all season long. Uh, he got a little bit deep on some of his drops in that zone that they were trying to play. Uh, defensively, BYU wasn't able to put pressure, but I, I, th- I really thought Brandon Gurney on defense that Washington had a great game plan to stop that 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 four and five man rush on them. They they literally quote unquote held on the corners uh, on the defensive line, and they 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 didn't get caught with it very much. But then they started getting caught with it, and officials were calling holding regularly on the Washington defense. But they were stout, and they were very strong, and it was something that BYU wasn't prepared to overcome. Thus, you had Jake Browning out there while they were worried about Gaskins running the ball on him. He was just sitting back there with all kinds of time to throw, set a Washington State record for percentage. Well, the, the defense kind of handicapped itself a bit. I, I didn't see more than a four-man rush throughout the game until late. Uh, they, they started to bring some, some different pressures and all that, but but they were really trying hard to pr- protect that back back end, probably to, to too big of a degree. When you're, you're talking about a quarterback as experienced as Jake Browning, he's not going to rush into throws. He's going to take his time. And 23-25, man, it was a horny brook uh, to 2017 all over again. Uh, BYU was pretty hapless, but I think 
we can't overstate just how good Washington is, though, as a football team. A lot of fans are, oh, my gosh, oh, it's terrible and all that. Well, Washington is really, really good. You're talking about a team that went to the college football playoffs last year and acquitted itself pretty nicely in those playoffs. And, and, and they had a lot of players back, a lot of those key components. This is a top ranked team. This is absolutely a top 10 team nationally, and, and I think you have to qualify that with BYU's performance, and also a team that's able to match what BYU can bring physically, coupled with speed that Wisconsin didn't have, and it's a, it's a bad recipe for BYU. Well, this is a team that is the Pac-12 darling. They are the crown jewel of the Pac-12, and uh, they're a team that, uh, that took a, BYU's best recruit away from in the final weeks last year, Brandon uh, Kano. Mm-hmm. Uh, from uh, Reno, yeah. a linebacker who ended up going to Alabama, actually, but he was BYU's best recruiter. Boy, that's a story. They just came in <laughs> and took him away. They have all kinds of athletes out there, Jeff Call. This was never going to be a, a win for BYU on my, on my book, uh, it, heading back into last spring and summer, yet it probably turned out to be a score a little bit more than I thought it could be. I thought it, BYU could at least score two touchdowns on them, and, and looking at it, they probably should have. Yeah, and I think uh, it just comes back to what we've talked about. I mean, you can't make that many mistakes against a team as good as Washington. With all the deficiencies that BYU has, uh, doesn't have the speed Washington has, doesn't have the athletes Washington has, they, they've got to play a very clean game, and they didn't do that. I mean, if they would have scored on that one drive we talked about um, you know, that early on, I think you know, who knows what may have happened. I, I just don't think they may have won the game, but to keep it competitive, and that's what they wanted to do, get it competitive in the fourth quarter, just weren't able to do that. Uh, again, that turnover was just a backbreaker for BYU late in the first half. Well, one bad piece of news, uh, Brian Gurney, out of that is that they lost one of their best receivers, yeah. uh, Marone Lolopototau. What a sad case for a guy that was coming up making big plays. And how does that affect this team now? We did see Matt Bushman make an appearance for 38 yards, a huge play on that one drive yeah, in the first quarter. It is nice that you have a guy like Matt Bushman to back up Moroni. But still, I, I, you got to feel for the kid. I just feel for these guys. He's a really, really nice kid first off. Why does it always have to be the nice guys this happens to, right? But uh, it, it's a big loss. You're, you have a guy that was leading the team in receptions coming into this game, a guy that was really finding his own way at tight end, a really, really good athlete. He's gone. He's gone again for another year year and it's going to be really sad if we're never going to be able to see this kid realize his full potential at BYU because I've maintained that he has a load of talent ever since I saw him Playing for Mountain Crest against Timview in, in, in the 4A state championship game, I've been high on this kid. He's an exceptional athlete, and hopefully he can make it back and stay free from injuries because he deserves it. Well, Ed Lamb had an opportunity to address uh, this game and talk about the responsibility and where that lies and uh, he had an opportunity to talk about that on uh, Coordinator's Corner, something he does every Monday with Greg Rubel. Let's listen to that sound bite right now. Coming out of the game, I, my, my initial impression was that we just we weren't uh, ready mentally to have our best game and coach our best game, and we needed to you know, against, a, against a really, really strong Washington team that uh, either they played their best or we, we made them look like they played their best. But they were incredibly sharp and fast and, and powerful. I thought they really blocked well on the edges. And uh, I thought they thought they played really stout uh, on defense. And, uh, and and frankly, when we needed our, our best game, I don't think we, we were uh, prepared to uh, coach or play our best. Looking back on it, could you have seen any warning signs going in that you were bound to have that kind of uh, performance? 
You know, I think Coach Satake did a good uh, job all week of emphasizing, um, it, you know, the way he phrased it was doing uh, doing common things in an uncommon way. But um, the, the point of emphasis or the meaning behind that was to do to do little things right, and and not just in football, but uh, in life with with uh, studies or the way that you keep your locker clean or your locker room clean. Um, how often you're staying in touch with your family, and and what what he felt like was that this potentially could be a game where we had a lot of pressure as coaches and players and, and he felt like uh, you know focusing on on other areas of life and the details within the game of football would help us and, and not to uh, over consider the magnitude of the game and the opportunity we had to, to play in a, a prime time game with two ranked opponents and, and in the end I thought Washington was just more ready to answer that challenge the truth of it is they're, they're more used to playing in in that environment and uh, and they were at home and those are those were big challenges for us I would like to play the game again. Sometimes after uh, after losing soundly, you don't want to play that opponent again. I would I would like for our guys to get the opportunity again now that they know what it felt like, where it was, the overall feel of the stadium, the game, the magnitude, the preparation week. If we could do it all over again, I know we'd play and coach much better. So Ed Lamb kind of places the game uh, the the blame of that Jeff call with uh, with the coaching staff and. Uh, as you heard him talk a little bit later on and with the defensive coordinator, they said that they, they came in and, and actually used a lot of real soft zone coverage, and they felt like as coaches that they maybe took the aggressiveness out of their defensive players in doing that. Maybe they should have just said, hey, go up and man-man uh, on the line of scrimmage as, as far as coverage goes. Let's cover these guys. Let's let you guys. We recruited you for this. Let's put you out there and let you do that. When they didn't do that, they thought that maybe they took a little bit out of their players' hands, and that was not fair to them. Yeah, you're right. And I think, uh, you know, BYU's secondary, as we've talked about, is a work in progress. They've got some young guys back there. And you also have, uh, you know, Diane Gwawalaku, who's who's not there. He hasn't been there for a couple of weeks. And and I think, you know, losing Zane Anderson and Diane uh, these last couple of weeks. Fastest really, players on the team. They're fast, and they, they match up pretty well with what Washington does. And that's just a big hole. It's, it's a lot to ask of guys to come in and, and fill those holes. For was, al- was always going to be a win for Washington, I believe, Brandon Gurney. But this team is 3-2. and two. This is something that I thought was the best Maybe the best thing that you could ask for out of a BYU team, 3-2. and two. A lot of people are unhappy, but 3-2 and two is pretty good. Have you asked any fan prior to the season if they could come in out of September? And I've, I've been talking about September all year long, just how difficult it is getting into that stretch after. 3-2 and two was the absolute best-case scenario. Uh, no question. I, I don't think any realistic fan had BYU better than 3-2. and two. And, and you look at what this team's done. A lot of people didn't think 3-2 and two would come with a win against Wisconsin, but it did. Uh, which is maybe even a bigger plus in that regard. You take where BYU was at this time last year. Washington, just kind of throw it out if you can. It's a really, really good football team. It was a case, uh, Kalani said it today, where his team played its worst game and Washington played its best game. Those things happen. You have to look optimistically. It's not just a one-game season. Uh, BYU's done really well acquitting itself and improving a lot from last year. And, and if you just take the big picture in mind, 3-2 and two going into October – Absolutely a great scenario and a lot of things to be optimistic for well, about BYU I think, football. And I think of the science of football, you know, I think it was Tom Homo that said 40% of the time you're going to play your very best. 40% of the time you may not play very well at all. And, you know, 10% of the time you're going to have to be lucky 
uh, to win, or you'll be very, very unlucky to win on a bounce of a ball. And that's kind of what happened. BYU didn't play very well. Now from social media, let's talk a little bit about what's the topic of the day. Fire Tui Hockey. Fire Tui Hockey. Fire, Fire the all. defensive coaches. Fire <laughs> One all. game against Washington. Fire them all. They're terrible. Jeff Call, is that, is that the call that we're hearing right now? Well, of course not. I mean, not, look, two weeks ago we were talking about, after that Wisconsin win, how BYU, at, BYU outcoached Wisconsin. The game plan was brilliant. Everyone executed the way they're supposed to. <laughs> but now they're idiots. And now, yeah, they now have no idea later, what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. And so, I mean, it's typical uh, knee-jerk reaction to things that happen. Um, you know, I, I just think that you've, you've got to take the big picture. And again, this is a situation where I don't think anyone expected BYU to be in this spot. And if you compare it to last year, BYU didn't get its second win, it's just second win of the year till November. If you remember October, late October, it was seven straight losses. Yeah, and so Jeez. I mean they they've come a long way since last year, and uh, you got to be patient. I think Aaron Roderick said last week when we talked to him that in terms of the offense, what they're they're trying to build something here. They're trying to build something long term. It takes time. It takes patience. And you know, of course, as fans, you're going to look at it and say from week to week, you're going to judge it. But uh, in reality, this is a long-term process, and you kind of have to see it that way. Brandon Gurney, uh, I've always maintained that BYU has very little margin for error, that they're always living on the edge, that they're overachievers. They recruit overachievers. They're not going to recruit the kind of guys that Washington has, so they have to play well every week. They have to play above themselves. And the, the, the margin for making mistakes and errors is really, really small for, small for BYU. They make mistakes and errors. It takes them right out of games. That's what happened, what we saw last week. Yeah, that little pity Katoa fumble. I, I hate to pinpoint one guy, but that was... That, that Yeah. I mean, that's just like absolute no way. You're done. 21 nothing. That, that's just too much for this team. What we talked about before, uh, BYU to score even 21 points against a team like Washington, even on a good day, is, is probably too tall of a task. And, uh, but they're going to have to put Put some points up this coming week against Utah State. They're, they're going to get have to get going offensively. It, uh, it, uh, at least that's my belief to keep up with the Aggies, which I guess we'll touch on later. Well, they're going to touch on it right now. This is a big game for BYU. It's a big game for the Aggies, even though it's out of conference for them. The Aggies have the perfect setup for themselves like they usually do. They beat BYU last year. <laughs> they're, they, they have the ultimate chip on their shoulder. They're seen as the third best program in the state. They're neglected by the media. University of Utah refuses to play them. They'll play Northern Arizona. They'll play Weber State. They'll play Northern uh, whatever it is, but they will not play the Aggies. They're disrespected. Uh, they, they watched BYU become ranked number two in the country for you know or n- number twenty five and the number twenty for two weeks. They were ranked, and the Aggies didn't get any kind of recognition uh, in the locker room. Utah, uh, Utah uh, uh, University, uh, Utah State. They, they have recruits that have been rejected by BYU and Utah. They have players on their team that came off BYU's roster. They have everything to talk about <laughs> yes. leading up to this week. And they don't even have Dallin Levitt anymore, and they still have that chip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plus, they got two weeks and a week off. BYU's got a short week, only three or four days to prepare for them. It's a perfect storm. BYU better be ready. Brandon Gurney. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Utah State can do some things, and, and what you're going to see from Utah State are big plays. They have two running backs that are, that are guys that can beat you on 
the edge. You look at how they've been doing their work. It's big plays. And and I've, I've celebrated BYU's ability to minimize big plays. They're absolutely going to have to do that against the Aggies. It's not a, a grind-it-out team. It's a team that can beat you on the edges. A very good, balanced attack with their quarterback and their running game. And I think big plays is going to be the thing. If they can minimize those big plays, I, I don't think – Utah State's a team that can grind it out and put forth a long drives against this BYU defense, which I believe is the defense before Washington. Um, I, I, I think BYU matches up well in that regard, but you've got to have, to have Diane Gonwaluku and Zane Anderson back. I, I believe that both of them will probably be back. Lonnie was very optimistic about both those guys this week, and, and you absolutely need those guys uh, to help minimize those big play opportunities, which Utah State's taken advantage of. But they've taken advantage against Tennessee Tech, New Mexico State, Air Force. I mean, yeah, yeah, they scored 31 points against Michigan State. That's the one that's that's kind of the credibility game right there, even though they lost. But yeah, a very dangerous game, no question. Jeff Call, how how concerned should BYU's defense be about Jordan Love? Oh, very concerned. He's he's a very talented quarterback. He can run. He can throw. Um, yeah, BYU needs to be. Aware of him, and you know the whole kind of one of the storylines we've seen is BYU's inability to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks, and it's going to be another you know it's another story chapter of that same story this week, and they're going to have to do it. And you know, Brandon, you're right. I mean, Utah State has not uh, had that impressive a schedule other than Michigan State, but if you look at it, I mean, they went into East Lansing and played very well, had a chance to win that game. They're not going to be intimidated coming into to Provo. Um, I think they average over 50 points a game. And even if it was against lesser opponents, I mean, they're playing with confidence. They believe they can move the ball. They believe they can score. And then you have a BYU team coming off a week where, uh, you know, they gave up a lot of points and confidence may be a little bit suspect. So that's kind of one of those factors you have to – throw in there and uh and like we talked about for for utah state this game means a lot utah state wasn't able to run the ball against michigan state i think that's a very notable thing that they, they, they had no ground game that they were able to do it and other factors and all that and i think that's notable because when you look at the opponents i think that's what's most comparable to what BYU is going to present defensively especially up front it's probably what michigan state posed against the aggies and, and i think with that in mind i i think if BYU can make utah state one-dimensional cut down those big play opportunities and limit the rushing attack they should be okay in this game you know, some of the most memorable BYU-Utah State games uh, are out there. I, I remember the one with John Walsh going up. I think it was up to Logan. And he threw he threw for tons of yards, 600 yards. They had like 60 School points. record, 619 yards. Yeah, yeah, 600 yards or something. Um, you know, the points were up there, and they lost, Jeff. Yeah, so I, I kind of, off the top of my head, compiled some of these memorable games over the years. It's, it's been some good ones. It's amazing when you look at that. So you, you go back to, say, 2002, the game where we all thought Ben Olsen, this is going to be the debut of Ben oh, Olsen, yeah. and BYU's down 34-7 at halftime. You're thinking, okay. Did the parents fly in to yeah, come, the, the come parents see were there? Son. And you're thinking, okay, here we go. Here's the Ben Olsen era. And then all of a sudden, Brett Engeman trouts out and leads <laughs> this incredible comeback, and BYU wins that game 35-34. And then let's fast forward to 2010. Um, you remember that game oh, up, yeah. up in Logan? BYU gets just pounded. And the next day, General Conference, Bronco Menifal Hall fires Jaime Hill. I mean, totally Jaime Hill, dis- call, Jaime Hill yeah, texted right. me and said, I've just been fired. <laughs> I remember that. I go, I go, I texted back, what? He says, yeah, I just got fired. 
Yeah, the day after the game, he gets fired, and which, Bronco takes over the defense. Which totally. the first time Jaime Hill talked to any media member all year, <laughs> yeah. all that year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he broke a rule. He texted me. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, that game that changed the course of the season because Bronco took over the defense that next week, and then the next year, 2011, was the game where oh, it was that was essentially. Amazing. The end of the Jake Heaps year. Yes, he got was. benched. Riley Nelson, a former Aggie, comes in, leads this incredible drive, last-minute dramatic comeback, touchdown victory to uh, Marcus Matthews. And then the next year, then we have this era of the Aggie, of all these quarterback injuries. So you got 2012, Taysom, the end of the game, suffers a, oh, knee, yeah. a, a season-ending injury. 2013, Chucky Keaton for Utah State, season-ending knee injury. 2014, BYU is nationally ranked, undefeated. All this momentum, uh, Taysom Hill, Heisman talk, he goes down with a season-ending injury. Totally changed the course of that season, of course. 2015, um, Dick, remember that game? We were up there. We drove in a snowstorm up to it Logan. It was cold. It was awfully cold. It was cold. We get up there a couple hours before the game, and there's snow plows, right? Yep, on the field. Clearing off the field. And I remember we are standing right next to Bronco, remember? Yep. And he was kind of looking very pensive and very reflective. No one knew. That would be his last That game. was his last regular season game as BYU's coach. And yeah. BYU, of course, won that game. 2016, end of the game. Taysom Hill injured again. Season-ending injury against the Aggies. And then, of course, last year, uh, was it seven turnovers? Six or seven turnovers? Oh, it was BYU. amazing. BYU, yeah, BYU led. They were up 21-7. Then Bo Hodge, Bo it looks Hodge like, okay, this guy has figured it out. He's going he's gonna to lead this team. And uh, he gets hurt, some turnovers, and all sorts <laughs> of blowout. just came out the rails. So, I mean, this game has really been one of these uh, games that kind of changed the course of seasons for BYU. And uh, I think, you know, this is it shaping up with the schedule? It could be, again, if BYU can win this game, it gives them a lot of momentum going forward. If they lose this game, I mean, who knows where we go from here. Thanks for for that um, trek down memory lane, Jeff Call. Sure. Let's talk about basketball for a little little bit. Uh, In the Deseret News uh, this week, we're going to run a story on Nick Emery. Nick Emery is in the middle of coming back from the abyss. I mean, if people knew the things that have happened in his life, which he has not described in detail yet, a divorce, um, some injuries, coming home off his mission early for surgery, things that have happened the past year, being stalked by media members, being stalked by a private detective outside of restaurants, um, him basically talking about anxiety and depression and suicide, and then for him to try to come back this summer and then have something like appendicitis and have a surgery that took him out six weeks. This kid has gone through the mill. We're going to highlight that at the Deseret News this week. Um, we've talked to some people. And I think uh, it's going to be interesting. This is a team that I think has a lot of potential, and Nick Emery is part of that, but he's a long ways away from being where he was, Brandon Gurney. Uh, you want to see change within this basketball program. You want to see something that, that makes you believe that this team can can get out of that rut it's essentially been in since Jim or Fredette graduated. It's essentially been the same team every year. Um, is it an NCAA tournament team? It's really hard to make that argument, even with Nick Emery coming back. 
There's two things that that I hang my hat on when I I think that BYU is going to take the leap forward. I I maintain T.J. Hawes is a star in the making that hasn't – we haven't seen what he can do yet. I think with Quincy Lewis taking over, a guy that knows his strengths and all that, and he's got to have the ball in his hands. I'm very high on this kid when he has the ball in his hands. When I saw him camped out in the three-point line just basically doing nothing on offensive sets, what's the point of that? You have one of the best playmakers I think has ever passed through BYU's program – Use that. I think it's going to be utilized, and I think he's going to play to the strength and have a really, really good year. And paired with Nick Emery, I, I think that can take off. And and I really like uh, um, the, the potential of, of Yuli Childs and Gavin Baxter. I, I, I think is Great a kid with, with real potential. I don't know if you're going to see it immediately because I still think he's kind of raw. You're not talking about a guy who's highly developed coming out of high school and whatnot. So that might take a while. But I think on the defensive end, he can have a big impact. Cover a big area. Jeff Call. We had Heath Schroyer come to town. With his voice, with his emphasis on defense, he got after these players. He, he got after them hard. He brought a lot of great things to BYU basketball, but he also brought some uh, discontent and some people that were frustrated with him, and he's gone. Yeah, so it's going to be, once again, kind of a new look for this team. Um, I think Dave Rose is hoping that this team will continue to play hard-nosed defense like we saw. I mean, play better defense than they have, I think. Heath kind of brought that and instilled that. But I think we will see uh, more up-tempo, kind of like what we've seen in the past from this team. And uh, one, one thing about this team that I've noticed, too, I think will work to BYU's favor is for the first time in several years, they actually have a lot of upperclassmen, guys that have experience. Um, they're not going to be relying so much on freshmen and sophomores. Now you've got a lot, you know, you've got a couple seniors, but you've got a bunch of juniors who have been around who have uh, you know they know what it's like to go through the West Coast Conference schedule. They've they kind of know what Dave Rose expects, and so I think that will uh, that will help this team just to have more experience. Final word, fellas. Uh, this is a big game this weekend. The Aggies are coming to town. BYU has not played very well at home. Their home record is not very good over the past seven or eight games. Um, I don't think they played very well against the McNeese State. They did come back after a very, very ugly first quarter and win that game. Going away, they could have scored even more points. But Brandon Gurney, they have got to play better at home than they have. Oh, for sure. It's, it's been one of the most curious things over the years, just in recent history, that they have not played really well at home. You need to establish that home, home field advantage and, 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 and just make sure Utah State can't come into Lavelle Edwards and, and, and win. That, that just can't happen if you're a BYU as far as recruiting goes, as far as uh, all sorts of perspectives is concerned, that is something that just can't happen. This is a really big game. I, I, I think it's a make-or-break game this season. I, I think it's going to tell a lot about where BYU goes, where BYU is. Uh, I, I, Jeff mentioned this to be before the podcast. Okay, everything's settled down. You have those five uh, games out of the way. We're going to really find out what BYU is coming up soon, uh, and it starts with Utah State. Jeff, your final word on this game. Uh, just as big. I mean, it's it's uh, national TV. It's Friday night. A lot of people will be watching this game. And this is a chance for BYU to show that, okay, they didn't play well last week at all, but um, they're still heading in the right direction. And this is a game to, to do that at home against uh, an in-state rival. Uh, in, I think Utah State's a very good, a good opponent. I mean, this isn't the Utah State from years and years ago where they really struggled. I mean, Respect these guys. Yeah, for sure. And and for Utah State, like you mentioned before, Dick, this is this is a big game for them, uh, in-state game. Get some respect, and uh, this is just as big for BYU at this at this stage. And now, before we do our picks of the week with this BYU Utah State game, I want to tell you about Grid Picks. 
I personally pick those 14 games each week. There's uh, gift cards to be won. Test your knowledge and luck at DeseretNews.com. Your predictions, fellas. Jeff Call. I'm going to say uh, BYU wins at uh, 27-24. Brandon Gurney. Uh, I seriously was going to say 28-24, but <laughs> Jeff Call took that out. I, I, it needs to be low scoring. I, that be, if it's high scoring, I, I don't like BYU's chances. Just as far as getting into shootout, I, I think you have to limit what Utah State does. And, and, and I think it's kind of been overstated what Utah State's done because they've relied on big plays against inferior opponents. I think BYU's going to limit those opportunities, and I think BYU's going to win – I'll, I'll go, since Jeff called completely kife my, my my prediction, I, 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 I'm I'm going to go BYU 16, Utah State 10. Okay, I'm going to uh, I'm going to say that turnovers are the difference, and BYU gets more takeaways because the ball's going to be up in the air a lot. There's a lot of things that can happen. I think BYU gets some speed back in the secondary. It's a two and a half point favorite uh, by the Las Vegas folks that BYU will win this game. I'll say 20. 27-24 BYU. That's exactly what Jeff called predicted. Okay, Jeff and I. Well, we. We're together on the road a lot. We think a lot. Uh, thanks for joining us on this episode of Cougar Insider Podcast. We'd love to hear from you through email at cougarinsiders uh, at deseretnews.com. And please subscribe or download our podcast wherever you find it. We're working to deliver you the most up-to-date information on BYU Sports, and we'd love to have you join us. Thank you. Thank you.